Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to look at when it comes to this market trade today. You may have noticed some some mixed type of feel, especially in this corn market. The wheat has had some struggle and I'm assuming that there's some some harvest issues that are going on with that and then the soybeans to the positive as well. We're going to kind of look at what the vibe, the feel is of this as we talk with Mike Zuzlo with Global Commodity Analytics. And and Mike, as, as we look at the market today, obviously we're coming off of a USDA's uh, weekly crop progress report we saw some decrease in numbers which shouldn't come as a surprise to many but still we're into june weather related market is the field kind of moving in to that sense right now yeah i think so you know all the things you mentioned susan really have a lot to do with buying corn and selling wheat right now and i was pushing for a counter seasonal wheat rally as we went into harvest with yields declining and the hot, dry weather helping to speed harvest up. And if we didn't have a counter-seasonal rally, at least hold major price support levels, we have not done that, I think in part because of the crop conditions report on Monday, but especially given that USDA threw that bigger world-ending stocks number back on top of us about a week or so ago. I think we're still living off of that, and we are still getting yield reports from the Oklahoma-Kansas border that are better than expected is what they're reading it right now. So when we saw today uh, that the Russians were looking at going ahead and limiting, uh, they're not limiting their exports of wheat and not putting a quota in place after July, I just said to myself, well, there goes your counter seasonal rally uh, with that being kind of the final straw. And I think between that and the row crop weather, uh, we've been in a buy corn, sell wheat mindset. But I bring this up be- not just because of your question, but I think it's really important for the hedger and and the uh, the trader alike that we see in today's marketplace uh, the beans really stall out even on good news. They haven't been able to really kick into a higher gear, and I'd put that at the feet of the wheat market. I think you're at a point now in the spreads and in the overall psychology of the market that if the wheat can't go. The beans are going to probably have to wait a while before the wheat can uh, get harvested, get over 50% harvested maybe, or maybe I'll still be right and we'll get into these areas of west central Kansas and see the yields decline dramatically and maybe we'll miss a couple rains as well. But I think it's key that the wheat and the beans and the corn are all trading very similarly today. And I wasn't real impressed with the beans for why they rallied. I like the fact they held their 100-day moving average in the July contract. Uh, in terms of support on the charts. But when I read that um, Trade Representative Lighthizer says he still thinks that the U.S.-China Phase 1 trade deal is still good, and if that's the reason we're rallying in the soybeans, and that's not a reason why the hogs wouldn't rally with the soybeans, I feel like that's kind of thin ice area, and that fundamental is pretty weak fundamental. So it be interesting to see how we go into Wednesday night and Thursday's trade and see what those weekly export sales are then I'll start to believe more about the soybeans trying to uh, move up maybe another leg higher. Again, I think the wheat's going to have to be there to help it. Now you talk about that wheat, and I, I think many have been surprised, but pleasantly surprised with what they're seeing with numbers coming in so far off the combines. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the other thing is they're getting very good quality. And that has been a very problematic issue for us the past I don't know, three out of the last four years, I think, if my memory serves me right, is that the wheat quality takes it into the feed category, and that, by default, naturally pressures the corn market, pressures the cash corn market, especially 
down by the major feedlots in Oklahoma and Kansas and in southern Nebraska and, and eastern Colorado. So I'm hopeful that if we are getting better yields, it's going to be better food grade wheat. Um, I would also say this, the world wheat price now is getting to a point where I think we're making a low. Uh, the U.S. golf price for soft red wheat is around $200 a ton now. We went down to about a do- $193 a ton a year ago when we had a much bigger carryover level in the United States and a similar carryover stocks to use level uh, that we had uh, this year and last year as well. So I'm hopeful this $195, $200 a ton level at the golf will help start to support the futures market, uh, especially as we come back uh, from this current week and head into the stocks and acreage report at the end of the month. What has been the global demand for this crop up to this point? And I mean, not just wheat, I understand Japan was looking at it, but you talk about the influence of China with South America on this soybean market. Are we going to continue to see some pressure put in there? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where there's got to be a reason why the Baltic Freight Index is hitting, I think, a two and a half month high right now. That's your key dry freight index that we all utilize and measure ourselves against when it comes to global trade of dry goods. Um, The AAR, the American Railroad uh, weekly numbers last week uh, actually showed us down, I believe, less than one percent in grain shipments uh, last week versus the same week a year ago. And so I think our movement is good. I think the demand is building as well. And, you know, that's something we can talk about if you want to delve deeper into. But we're in a demand-rich environment right now with fresh numbers coming out of restaurants. Retail sales were better than expected. Uh, They were uh, up 17% for the month of May, almost 18%. Trade thinking they were only going to be up about 8%. Uh, fast food restaurant chain demand, while it's down 16 to 19% for the month of April, it's a lot better than the trade was thinking. OPEC also came up with some numbers this week and updated all of their global demand uh, forecasts for world oil demand uh, and only taking it down about 9.1 million barrels a day. So instead of 99 million barrels a day, we're going to be just under 91 million barrels a day. That's a far cry from the last time we talked when mm-hmm. people were starting to talk about 60, 70 million barrel a day uh, demand numbers. So demand is improving and it's still on the right track. And you can throw ethanol on top of that with today's numbers. All right. Well, folks, stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk more about that driving demand as folks are wanting to get out. A little bit of cabin fever going on. Maybe that means some grilling opportunities as well. We're going to dive into that and a lot more. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. And we kind of left off talking about demand and, and folks are anxious. I know that cabin fever has taken over so, so many. Does that mean we're going to see a pickup when it comes to demand for ethanol and, and the driving out there? I think we're seeing it right now, Susan. I think we're living in a very good time in a post-COVID environment. The question is, will it last and not just here in the United States, but also in China. You know, we have to remember that China takes on about 30% of the world commodity trade. And when you look at iron ore or copper or soybeans, they take on about 60% of the tradable supplies in, in the world. And so it's really important that we watch and monitor what's happening in Beijing right now, uh, along with what's happening in the United States. But I can tell you, The data right now is suggesting that we had a very strong Memorial Day holiday 
And I'm very hopeful we have a strong July 4th holiday. That's going to be kind of a go, no-go gauge for me heading into Labor Day and how we finish the summer driving season and the summer grilling season. But things are looking positive right now uh, in terms of grocery store demand. Uh, National retailers' numbers are coming out. The chain restaurants that cannot get financing, though, or mom-and-pop restaurants that are sit-down and don't have drive throughs they are really struggling. So I think the July numbers or what we go through in July is probably going to separate a lot of wheat from the chaff, unfortunately. Uh, I'm hearing that average interest rates on business loans for restaurants that aren't run by a hedge fund or can't tap into private equity money is 25% or higher right now. Um, we're also seeing, I think, places like Denny's, and, uh, and other uh, Olive Garden type restaurants where they don't have a good fast drive-through capability. Uh, I want to say their numbers were down about 66% in April at these full service chains. So that's a concerning issue. So what it says to me as a commodity analyst and, and from an economic standpoint is we're on a demand building move right now, but we're going to have to rely upon weather and supply events to get our hedges in place for the grains and for the meats. But if you ask me point blank, what's the cheapest commodity out there right now? When I look at everything, uh, it would be the cattle market. We're, we're $96 in June and August fats. We're trading 102 plus. Even USDA is pushing us up to 104, 105 as we get into July, August. So I think there's a lot of upside compared to downside when it comes to the cattle market. Uh, by far, in, in, of all the commodities I look at. So there's so many fingers in this pot, and I, I want to rewind just a little bit to look at um, the the Denny's, the Olive Gardens that you talk about, because they're big consumers of our meat meat products. So what type of trickle-down effect are we going to continue to see for this livestock industry if we see these type of restaurants struggling the way they have been? You're going to continue to see because the supply chain can't really change much because of the automation, the robotics, the prepackaged machinery that's being built for these massive conglomerates uh, that you just not are going to be able to change those uh, machines around. You're talking about multi-million dollar changes. So the short answer is that you're going to see cuts of meat that are available and you're going to see cuts of meat that are not available until we get the supply chain kinks worked out, which in my research would suggest based upon talking to USDA and looking at some other research that I did about two months ago, this could take over a year before we really are able to map and and change some of these uh, dynamics so that that what you used to get 60-pound containers of butter, you're not getting that anymore. You're getting the regular butter for the grocery stores or for the fast food uh, drive-through chains. Well, you look at that, and, and ethanol plants are starting to come back online. So there's the byproducts that are coming from those ethanol plants that will be a benefit to the livestock industry. But to get these plants back online, because more people are driving, is going to help this corn industry as well. Yeah, that's why the summer driving seasonal is so key, because we are now at a new 2020 low in ethanol stocks. And ethanol margins are anywhere from 6 to 12 cents, however you look at crush or where you look at crush, six to 12 cents a gallon. So there's more upside potential. Remember that we were uh, about 40 cents a gallon premium ethanol over unleaded gas just back in February. So six to 12 cents margin and having only a four cent 
uh, premium in ethanol right now and futures over unleaded RBOB. That's a good number to have as we ramp up this summer driving season. So that's that's a really key point you bring up. Well, there's some interesting things that we need to keep um, an eye on in the days and weeks ahead. And I know that you have an amazing newsletter that's available. Tell me uh, quickly about the newsletter and how folks can find out more details. Well, you know, I've revamped a lot and and tried to change with the times with the way I send information out and also the newsletter content. And so I'm doing a lot more consumer uh, theory things, uh, real-time consumer things, trying to tap into the National Association of Business Economists. I joined their group. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is to call me, 866-471-2588, or go on the website, globalanalytics.biz. Find the phone number there or sign up for a trial. Give you a two-week trial with everything I send out except the text blast. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here. Brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.